you can cut this from the episode. We should someday do just like a top game ranking list. <laughs> Welcome to Watch Mojo. <laughs> Remember how to do the recording. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Grumble Pack. Hot spicy minute. Hello and welcome. <laughs> That's it. That sounds right. I am Eli. I am primarily an illustrator and game dev. You can find most of my work on my Twitter at E L I D E E Art, or you can find my portfolio site at EliWenstrom.com. And I am Jasmine Gower. I am a fantasy author and freelance editor. You can find me on Twitter at J A S underscore Gower. Or you can find my author website at jasmingower.com and my editing website at publishing.jasmingower.com. So I don't have a fun, like, segue for this, except I am so fucking excited about this game. <laughs> yeah, so last time you let me and our special guest, Stacey, uh, just info dump about the world yes. that's with you. Yes. So now uh, we're trade off. And you're going to info dump at me about Psychonauts. Yes, we're talking about Psychonauts today. One of my favorite games, it's like top three at this point, I think, because it got dethroned by Night in the Woods, but it's still up there. Um, And it came out with a sequel really recently, so I want to talk about it. Um, I have some crunchy data here that we can get through before I start talking about why I love this game so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us the the rundown. Wait, before we start, I have a question about Psychonauts. I've never played Psychonauts. Uh, but it's kind of been on my peripheral. I've been aware of Psychonauts since it first came out back in two thousand five. Yeah, <laughs> but I never got around to playing it. Is the name is the main character named Rasputin? His name is Rasputin Aquato. Okay, just wanted to be sure. I was I was on the right page with that. And he is played by Richard Horvitz, aka the man who plays Zim. I was Invader Zim. Say, is that Invader Zim? <laughs> he is played by Invader by Invader Zim. He sounds exactly like Invader Zim, and I love him so very much. Fantastic. But yeah, I'm going to get into it very quick. Uh, Psychonauts is a third-person platforming game where you navigate Raz, Rasputin Aquato, with the sort of psychic powers that you learn over the game. So there's this levitation that's basically he uses a little rolly ball that he stands on and walks on. Uh, There's pyrokinesis where you set animals on fire. You can grab things with a big spectral hand. And they do explain that the reason that Raz is able to do all of these cool platformy things is that he grew up in a circus. So you can see there's like bits where he swings on branches like they're trapezes and whatnot. And it makes sense. And he makes comments about like, gee whiz, I'm sure I'm glad that I grew up in a circus so I could do all that. And tied in with that, it has one of my favorite mechanics for why a video game character cannot go in the water. So his family was cursed by psychics, which is a whole other thing, but specifically they were cursed to all die in water. So anytime he gets near, a like hand will come up out of the water and like shadow him, and if he touches the water, it will grab him and drag him down. Oh. It's very cool. It does make the sequence where you have to go underwater deeply terrifying. I'll get into that. But so that's that's very interesting to me because uh, it's my my favorite excuse for why you can't go in water in video games is in the first Assassin's Creed, where the excuse is just "fuck you." <laughs> so that's nice that they got yeah. a little spicy with it. Yeah, it's it, there's even a thing where like you could sort of hop skip your way across certain areas because it gives you three chances where the hand basically grabs at you and Raz jumps back out. It's very cute. But yeah, let's get into some numbers. Uh, the game was originally published in 2005 by Double Fine, 
And then in 2011, Double Fine got the uh, the rights to republish the game from the original publisher. So they re-released for a bunch of new consoles. So there was an extra wave of this game being loved because it didn't do great commercially, but it got a very dedicated cult following later on because it's just, it's a very well put together and well balanced game. And it looks really nice too. It's got that weird Tim Schafer blockiness to it. And it's just great to look at and plays really well. The second game came out really recently. I believe it was August 25th, 2021. Um, which happened after there was a long period of discussion about whether the game was going to get a sequel or not. And it kept getting farther and farther away because it didn't seem very viable. The first sort of whispers of this were in like, I want to say 2012, when Tim Schafer got into talks with the owner of Mojang at the time, but they estimated that the cost of the game would be about $18 million to make a sequel. Goodness. So they were like, we're talking about it, but don't get excited. And then in 2015, they announced at the, I want to say, at some Game Awards conference, they announced that they were working on Psychonauts 2, uh, simultaneously releasing the crowdfund campaign onto FIG, where their goal was $3.3 million. By the end of that campaign, they had raised uh, $4 million. It, it did well, is the thing. They yeah. have a very dedicated fan yeah, base, yeah. essentially. So then there was a little bit more issues that they had. The original publisher that they were looking at, Starbreeze, did go bankrupt in 2018. So there was a chance that this game would not get published again. But then Double Fine got acquired by Microsoft, so they had a deal with Xbox, and it kind of pushed the game out the door without having to cut a bunch of stuff off. Right. I did also learn something while doing research for this. When I first started playing 2, I had the feeling that I had missed something, because all of the characters were discussing something. The end of 1 ends with this weird cliffhanger that doesn't get resolved at the beginning of 2, and I was like, maybe they came out with like a comic to explain what happened in between the two games, because they were clearly talking about the same event. Um, no, they came out with a whole-ass VR game called The Rhombus of Ruin that I just didn't hear about and never experienced. <laughs> See, I'm seeing a lot of parallels here between this and our discussion about The World Ends With You. <laughs> because there was that whole, that, the extra day that they added to the re-release on the Switch that no one really thought was going to be <laughs> plot important, and then whoops, it was super plot important. It's, at the very least, I was able to kind of piece things together because Raz at the beginning of 2 does give you kind of a very quick rundown of what happened but there was a lot of stuff like him talking to a rat named Hank like they were friends Mm. and this character keeps coming back and there was a whole thing about capturing one of the villains that if I, I had clearly been missing something and I'm glad to know what it is so I can go watch like a let's play of a, uh, a let's play of a VR game. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, the first game you are following Raz as he sneaks away from the circus that his family runs to go to a summer camp specifically for psychics. And it's run by a team of folks called the Psychonauts whose job is to basically train young psychics to fight bad guys with the power of their brains. And uh, within, I want to say, the literal one night he stays there, you uncover this you uncover this plot by one of the counselors to steal children's brains and use them to fuel psychic tanks and take over the world. So you ha- uh, you, you have to help him work out some shit about his dad and then he's fine. Ah. 
Of course. <laughs> yeah. They kind of wave that one away. Because that character is also in two, and he shows up in two, and everybody trusts him and loves him. But there's a point where he goes, like, I don't think we should trust this person here. And they all look at him like, are you saying we should arrest you also then? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very loosey-goosey, that sort of thing. So you rescue some a bunch of kids. And then in the second one, you follow up on Raz basically joining the Psychonauts. Uh, he joins as an intern, which he's not happy about. And the game, the second one takes a lot of twists and turns that I was not expecting and not necessarily in a good way. Like, I still very much enjoyed the second one, but I think the first one is still better. I think I enjoyed it more. The The second one takes a lot of things that I feel like didn't need explanations or didn't need to be twisty-turny and makes them twisty-turny. I'm going to put spoilers out here because I'm going to be spoiling the entire game, if that's cool with you, yes. Jasmine. Um, that's more than fine with me. <laughs> so I'm at this point, full spoilers for both the end of Psychonauts 1 and 2 and all the twists and turns that come with that. You learn how Raz's family got cursed. And there's this whole thing about the country that his family was from. It's called Grulovia. Definitely a real place and yes. not Russia. Yes. Definitely not Russia. But his uh, family, who are heavily Roma-coded, get, they, they have moved to, I guess, America? It's never really explained. They fled from a civil war that was eventually drowned, or, or ended, in a mass drowning, basically, of the entire country by a very powerful psychic. Mm. And through some twists and turns, you learn that this very powerful psychic was the sister of Raz's grandmother, who died in that in that flood, who was then had her thoughts and memories rearranged to think that she was her sister. So Raz's quote-unquote grandmother that he has grown up with is the big scary psychic that was both responsible for his family's curse to die in water and mass murder. Uh, this isn't coming through in the recording, <laughs> but I feel like I'm making that face of the gif of, like, the lady watching the yeah, equations fly by. It's, it's a whole lot, and it definitely, there was not, I think, enough build-up to this, because the, the game essentially has two, like, major twists to it, and there's that one, and then there's the the end one, which I think is infinitely more funny and infinitely more uh, built up to, but it's that the uh, mailroom clerk at the Psychonauts office, Nick John Smith, is in fact the uh, son of the ruler of that country, and his plan is to take down the Psychonauts from the inside so that he can rule over Grulovia once again, because goddammit, he misses eating caviar so damn much. <laughs> So that I could follow a lot easier. Yeah, see, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's better, I think, that, that twist was much better because the one that happens, like, two-thirds of the way through the game, it just, like, hits you over and over again in the face, and it feels like there should be more weight behind it, but there's so much more game to go that's not necessarily even about that. It's, I don't think that particular twist was pulled off well. It's, it's a whole mess, and there's another thing about, ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I still very much thoroughly enjoyed the game. I just feel like that big, like, mid-game twist was not properly built up to and just doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's, I, I'm, I'm not its biggest fan. <laughs> Valid. Uh, so how does the new game compare to the old one? I think the old one honestly holds up a little bit better. You can see definitely some of the major changes that they made in uh, responding to criticism about the game because 
The first game has a huge focus on uh, you meet these colorful NPCs, you go into their brains and basically uh, help them sort out some trauma or some unresolved right. thing. It's a, it's a sort of mind palace yeah. game. And it's, it's, it's fantastic in that all of the characters have these very specific uh, styles to their brains. My favorite one in particular is called Black Velvetopia, and it is a um, matador's mind, basically, and all everything is this black with these beautiful like neon details and everything. And the whole point of his brain is you have to help him get over the fact that the girl he liked went for a jock instead of him. <laughs> um, but the the way that they handle that thing is not necessarily uh, the most sensitive to folks with mental illnesses, because yeah. there's an entire sequence where you go to a spooky asylum, mm. and you have to help three of the inmates by, like, you help Fred Napoleon, who is dealing with the ancestral memory of being related to Napoleon and not being good at things. <laughs> It, what his last name is Napoleon? Yeah, it's not. But <laughs> I think uh, okay. it's a hot, it's been a, it's been a hot second since I played the game. He's Napoleon. Was uh, Napoleon's last name wasn't Napoleon. No, <laughs> it's yeah. There's um. I think the most uncomfortable one is unfortunately one of the better levels, which is the milkman level, where you uh, go into a man's brain who he has been so thoroughly brainwashed by the antagonist of this game that he basically only has the personality trait of, I am the milkman, my milk is delicious, I will make my milk delivery now. But the thing that he's been programmed to do is huck Molotov cocktails and destroy evidence. Oh my. It's, the gate, the the level itself is very fun because it's this weird, kind of like fractured 1950s American suburbia. And it's got things that mess with gravity, and Girl Scouts are evil, and it's it's a whole thing. But it's the actual, like, dealing with how you are handling a severely mentally ill man is not comfortable. Mm. And in the second game, they clearly took some of those uh, criticisms into mind, because there's a whole point where Raz goes into one of his instructor's brains, and there's a new mechanic in the second game where you can connect thoughts in people's heads where you can kind of link things together and make them associate certain things with certain other things. And he ends up getting her addicted to gambling because he was trying to basically go on a mission. And he has to deal with the repercussions of that. And she knows what he did. And it's very deeply uncomfortable. And I'm glad that they did that. They also, I feel kind of weird about this one. They definitely tried to make the cast more diverse. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, they very clearly did a kind of like, and here's the token this, and here's the token this, and here's mm-hmm. the token this, in the the rest of the interns at the Psychonauts headquarters. It's especially because those characters don't really get to do a whole lot. They yeah. are there, and they're interns, and they have maybe two personality traits, and then they get to help with one of the boss battles. Like, that's the whole thing, uh, which is a little bit uncomfortable. Not ideal. No. So yes, I do think the original one holds up a little bit better, and because I think it didn't have a previous game to try and live up to, or try to tie into, or try to, like, it wasn't trying to be like, and here's this character that you remember and love so much, and here's this mechanic that you remember and love so much, it was doing its own thing, and it mm-hmm. did it very cleanly and very well. Yeah. So I think, while I did enjoy the second one, I think I still like the first one better. That's valid. I'm saying a lot of words about psychonauts. Yes. Uh, let's, let's see if I can think of anything, <laughs> anything that can give you a break. Um, Ooh, 
I, I can talk about some of the mechanic changes. Yeah. Because they did do some mechanic this changes. In the first game, the mechanics that you learn over the course of the game are you basically earn merit badges at the camp, and then you can do certain things. Because you go to your instructors, you learn how to do, like, levitation. And then you can equip that particular badge, and you can use levitation by pressing E. In the new game, they had a couple of the old ones, and then a couple of new ones. Specifically, number one on my list, on my fucking gripe list, is they nerfed levitation. Where you go much slower and you can't bounce as high. And that just... There was a whole thing in the first game about basically just fucking pinballing your way around levels, Aww. which was great. And once you learned how to control it, it was it was fantastic. But now you're just kind of like a little bouncier, so it's not quite as fun. Why is that with games nerfing levitation as time goes on? Because <laughs> in the Elder Scrolls game, Morrowind had levitation. You could just fucking levitate in that oh. game. I did not know that. I fully got rid of it in Oblivion and Skyrim. Yeah. And that's why Oblivion and Skyrim suck. <laughs> if they had the levitation spells, they would be great. I'm totally kidding. Oblivion sucks no matter what. If we ever get hate mail, it's going to be from that specific comment Good. that you just I, made. I can destroy the Oblivion fans. They have no taste. <laughs> Another thing about how uh, specifically tying in with the mechanics and seeing how I enjoyed the first game a little bit more. You could definitely tell that they were reaching a little bit for psychic things to learn in mm. this game, which is fine, because they came up with the basic ones in the first one. You've got pyrokinesis, levitation, eye beam, shooty brain, right, right, the, right. the ranged attack. And so in the new one, they were like, oh shit, we gotta fucking do some progressing here. So there's the connecting thoughts thing, which also works as a, you basically ricochet your body from point A to point B as you connect the thoughts, mm -hmm. which is really fun and interesting, but also they figured out how to get you to do that when you're not in someone's brain, so that was a little bit weird. Ah. It was clearly, they had a fun platforming mechanic that they wanted to do, right. so they had to put a sort of skin over the top of it. Oh my god, what are the other ones? They, they, they quite frankly, I think I didn't use them unless I was required to, so it... There was one where you can slow time on one specific object for about, like, ten seconds. Um, there's more. I swear to God. Oh, and then there's one more where you can create a physical manifestation of one of your personality archetypes, which is you have a little flat boy made out of paper. He can fit through mail slot and open door for you. Okay. <laughs> it's a very specific... Is this, like, in Dragon Age when... Sebastian makes a clone of himself, and then he stands directly in front of the clone, so he's getting hit anyway. <laughs> no, it's, um, I like the way that it's presented when you first learn how to do it, because you are in the brain of a character called Cassiopeia, and her whole thing is that she has created personas to help protect herself from trauma that she's gone through which I'm making noises that are definitely not picking up on the mic right now. It, it was, it's a very interesting uh, sequence to go through, and watching her reconcile those different parts of her personality and past are, are really fun. And then Raz goes to do it, and I literally can't explain this, so sorry for folks who haven't seen fucking Invader Zim. Um, it's literally <laughs> Richard Horvitz pulling out his Gur voice and personality on this like little scribble version of Raz. <laughs> That's delightful. What it the is. Fuck? It is very delightful. You can also that that warms my <laughs> shriveled two thousand three emo teen heart. It's really delightful, and there is a um, there's an upgrade you can buy in game to make that character specifically stop talking when you use them. <laughs> 
but why you would ever fucking do that, I do not know. Because you 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 pull that up because you need to pull a lever on the other side of some bars or something, and he's like, "Okie dokie, here I go." <laughs> it's so cute, <laughs> and I love it so much. Again, I think it didn't quite hold up as well as the first one because they were. I like that they were trying new things and they were clearly having fun with it. But again, I didn't really use any of those unless I absolutely had to to progress in the platforming. Mm. So whereas with the um, with the first game, you could basically use all of your specific powers uh, for the combat sequences. But in the second game, they're really hard to use properly in combat. Yeah. But they do figure out ways to make you like master how to slow down enemies. They did branch out with enemies a lot, which is really interesting. Oh, there you go. Um, in the first game, you dealt with basically inner sensors, which are these cute little dudes with stamps who walk around literally stamping out things I that aren't supposed see. to exist in your uh, in your brain. Yeah. So when you're in someone else's brain, they see you as an anomaly, basically, and they're like, you need to go. No, they're adorable. I love them. And aside from the specialized boss enemies, that was kind of all you were fighting in there, or the specialized brain-to-brain enemies. But in the new one, they come up with a bunch of other things. There's uh, panic attacks, which are a bitch and a half to fight, but I like that. Because like it's, yeah, no, it's, um, you're first introduced to it in a, the mind of a character who doesn't know who they are. And they have literally been a brain in a jar for, like, three years. So the first time they start experiencing, like, sensory input, they have complete and utter sensory overload. And then they have panic attacks basically triggered if you start doing too much or they start remembering too much. And then you have to fight off the panic attack. It's very cool. There's, I can't remember what they're called. I think they're just called bad thoughts. But there's a kind of enemy where you need to figure out where they are anchored in the brain. You need to uproot that particular thought, and then you can fight them. It's I they, they had more fun with enemies, and I think I do enjoy some of the newer ones. And I also appreciate that at the beginning of Psychonauts 2, when you load it up, they're like, Hey, uh, this game depicts like panic and anxiety attacks and mental illness. Uh, make sure you're cool with that before you proceed, which is nice. because I, I do Love content warnings. Because, you know, first game definitely didn't have any of that. <laughs> there was a lot of trauma happening in that game. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, the final level of that game is called the Meat Circus. I've heard. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. It's also very hard, just from a platforming standpoint. It's a very difficult. Now I gotta ask. Yes. The people gotta know. Yes. Do either of these games have fishing in them? No. <laughs> I know. They're putting fishing in Skyrim. I know. It's um I think it's probably tied into the fact that this game doesn't really have like mini games. Mm. Um the closest they get is having a billion and one collectibles in different forms. There's um psychic cards that you can collect that are just sort of flapping around the camp sure. or the uh thing. There's uh Citanium arrowheads. Which, the original one kind of made sense. You were in a child's camp that was built on native land. And they had, uh, there were a bunch of basically uh, things that you can excavate, which were made out of this very specific psychically charged, like, crystal that's in the area, etc. But yeah, there's no no particular kind of minigames. I think the closest you get to fishing in either game is in the first game, in order to transition from one area to another... 
at one point you need to deal with a character called Linda the Lungfish, who is a <laughs> it's a very delightful oh game. It's a delightful game. But um, now you is this the one that you have a print of? It is. That's Linda. Okay. Um so you you think towards the beginning of the game that she is what is grabbing kids and stealing them and sucking their brains out. It turns out that she has been genetically modified by the antagonist of the game and then also brainwashed in order to do this thing. You go into her brain and sort some things out. Her brain is called Lungfishopolis, and you are a kaiju-style creature where you walk around busting up buildings and stepping on little things. It's so good. Amazing. It's very good. Um, And you help some freedom fighters who know that she's being brainwashed. It's great. It's fun. But yeah, the sequence where you have to go underneath the lake and fight her in order to incapacitate her is probably the closest you get to fishing. Also, the most stressed I have ever been in a platforming game. Because you're in a you're in a bubble. You, you said under a lake yeah. and my mind immediately shut down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. I won't describe it in detail, but it's terrible. Also, a thing that endeared the second game to me uh, a little bit more, it has gay characters, and I oh, love yeah. them. And you get to, like, basically experience their wedding through one of their brains. Aww. It's very sweet. And it's it starts with, I literally thought it was a, like, fra- tragic, fridged gaze trope at the beginning, because there's a point where you learn about the original Psychonauts, and there are these two guys, and you're like, oh my god, they were in love. Um, but that brain in the jar is actually... The character that is thought to be dead. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. it's 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 very nice. It's a nice sequence. And seeing them reconcile and be back together is very sweet. And because of the... Okay. You're going to have to bear with me on okay. this one. There's some more mental math that's going to happen. So this game has a whole thing where you can basically take someone's brain out of their body. When they're brainless, their body just kind of wanders around. In the first game, it was a bunch of kids going, TV? <laughs> TV? <laughs> Scathing social commentary. <laughs> yes, no, devastating. Fucking got him, boys. But in the uh, in the second game, one character uh, gets his brain sucked down. Um, you just find his body kind of wandering around the mailroom, and you're like, oh my god, Nick John Smith, oh my god, who did this to you? <laughs> Definitely not a, a plant or anything. But in the second game, you learn that you can basically replace someone else's brain and take over their body. It's a, it's a whole thing. Uh, there is a point where this character... His name is Helmut. He is a gay rock and roll metal Viking played by Jack Black. I Hell yes. fucking love him. He is the That's best. That's the best sentence I've heard all week. <laughs> it's fucking great. Also, his world, his like great mind palace, amazing. It is a trippy ass Woodstock inspired like the, there's one sequence that's all greens and one sequence that's all blues where you like basically walk him through relearning what the senses are so there's one that's eye themed one that's like touch themed one that's taste and smell themed oh, <laughs> it's it gets worse as you go on but it's, it's a very enjoyable sequence because they're very pretty anyway he gets his brain temporarily shoved into Nick John Smith's body because you know empty body walking around sure. and also it turns out he's the villain says but another, just like, it's, it's, it's little things like when those two characters were reunited. One of them was in someone else's body, and he very quickly goes, we cannot kiss because this is a borrowed body. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Which, you know, it's, it's nice to yeah. see boundaries respected in yeah. a game where you literally go in and jumble up people's brains, or you can shove your brain into someone else's body. And also, they're just so cute because that 
that fucking rock and roll Jack Black Viking is in love with a with a sweet little plant pre- professor, and they're in love, Jasmine. <laughs> that sounds precious. It's it's adorable. It's it's lovely. Um, fun fact: I also accidentally spoiled the final twist of this game to myself. Ah, because after. You had put Helmet's brain into Nick John Smith's body. I was like, is that fucking Elijah Wood? And I went and I checked the wiki and I was like, mm-hmm, let's see who his voice actor is. Oh no, his alias is the mole. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oops. <laughs> I was right though, so I felt validated. <laughs> but yes, I think basically what this is telling me is I think I want to go play Psychonauts 1 again. I have played the second game all the way through. Because I definitely sat down and played the whole thing over a span of, like, a week. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was having so much fun. There's no way I'm going to 100% it, though. I've, I've literally never been able to 100% the first game, despite the fact that I've sunk over 80 hours into what is essentially, like, a 15-hour game. <laughs> There's so many collectibles. I'm there with you. I'm never going to 100% Neo the World Ends With You. <laughs> Because there's a glitch in my game that I cannot get around. Oh no! Did you hear about that? No! So there's, uh, in in the extra day, there's this time trial uh, that you can do where you fight, like, all of the main boss battles again in a row. Twelve battles mm-hmm. on the 11th one in the second part of the 11th battle, because it's a two-parter battle. Uh, my game always freezes. Freezes. Uh, rip. A I guess. <laughs> solid 15 minutes into this time trial, Ooh. the game's just like, uh, no, I'm stuck forever. Fucking, fucking rip, dude. So, I guess I'm just gonna have to start a new save file and play the whole game again from the beginning. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, I'm sure that's going to be such a trial for you. It's gonna be such a trial for you, for me. <laughs> I'm replaying the first one also. Um, I think I do need to actually cave, though, and spend the, like, $3 that the original game is on Steam. Because I don't know if y'all know this, I own the original, like, nine-disc installation for PC. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Of Psychonauts. What? (laughs) Do you remember when you had to install video games onto your family's computer with, like, 12 different discs? Not 12. (laughs) It has a lot of like di- it's it has like four nine. max. It has like nine. That's obscene. It's wild. <laughs> it's not obscene. even It's not even that big of a game from that perspective. It's just it I'm pretty sure like World of Warcraft was only two. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a lot. I can go dig them out. I have them in my horrible little like I don't know if I want to see this. This is upsetting. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think I have it in me as an exhausted millennial to pop multiple discs into a computer. I also don't know if it would run on Windows 10 without I, going through a third yes. party. As someone who had to install a virtual Windows XP machine on my computer to get my legally obtained <laughs> Sims 1 games to run, and having to install all of those, God, I am too fucking old for that yeah, shit. No. Um, considering the amount of issues I had with Windows 8 when I tried to install it, the game basically would, like, run for about 20 minutes and then fucking choke and die on its own processor. I I hate to, like, surrender to the modern, like, technology's rigid hierarchies that they've built from themselves and their proprietary bullshit, but, like, if it doesn't run on an app on Windows 10, it's like it's not gonna run. 
It's just yeah. not. You can't use even moderately old technology yeah. anymore. I mean... Uh, because the tech industry is a blight on humanity. Uh, but that's is. a different episode, I guess. I was going to say, not to uh, not to tangent a little bit, but I'm still very bitter about this. Did you know that Steam is selling Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines for, you know, what it's worth uh, on Steam, despite the fact that it doesn't play on Windows 10 without a bunch of fucking workarounds? Mm. I was mad about that. <laughs> I was very mad Delicious. about that. <laughs> anyway. I very much enjoy Psychonauts, and thank you for giving me basically 40 mi- minutes to that, talk about it. More um, than fair, after our last episode. <laughs> yeah. That's the trade-off. It's a, I think it still stands out very well as a, like, video games don't need to be have a hyper-realistic art style to look good or yes. play good, and also I think it's just a fun, like... <sighs> It's it's a different kind of platformer, and it hadn't been done at that point, and I like fun, weird video games. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I guess um, that's why we're here. I, I will say, uh, having played that game is probably the only good thing that ever happened to me from back when I used to listen to Zero Punctuation. Anyway, with that confession, I think I'm going to end this before I... I, Do I have to admit that I used to read Penny Arcade then? Oh, God! Yeah, no, it was bad. Yeah, I guess I'm not allowed to say anything, but oh, no! (laughs) Listen, the internet was a fucking wasteland Mm -hmm. in the mid-2000s, and video games were a fucking wasteland. Like, that's all that there was. That's all that there was. Video game commentary. Podcast didn't exist yet. Oh my god. I have been now shown that that fucking thing that we went through when we were kids with the internet where, like, just shocking imagery was a fun joke and prank to play on your friends. That doesn't happen anymore to kids these days. I know! Good. I'm glad that children are not not fucking booting up salad fingers for each other anymore. No, no, no. You remember salad fingers? No, no, no. Not even that. In, like, I was talking, like, like sort of I don't even know what that is. Good. Good. I will fully, I am going to censor what I just said so kids do not Google that (laughs) shit because those are like real pictures. It's terrible. Oh, yikes. It's terrible. But yeah, kids don't experience that anymore and I'm really glad for them. I'm I'm glad that it's not 2005 anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Despite the fact that I just spent 45 minutes basically talking about a video game voiced by Invader (laughs) Zim. Listen, he's still doing shit. He like, is. There's a, there's a sound on TikTok from him going around right now. Hey! <laughs> I get that one stuck in my head all the time, which is a, which is not good, because that's not one of the ones you can just say without any context. Yeah, no, nobody sure else <laughs> anyway, um, I thoroughly enjoy Psychonauts. Um, if you have somehow played the second game without playing the first one, I highly recommend checking out the first one. It's very cheap on Steam, and it's a... Hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, that's... One of these days I might play it. (laughs) That's my wrap-up. It's Uh, on my list. Yeah, I would honestly recommend for you playing up until a certain point and then maybe watching a Let's Play for the rest of it, because I don't think the... water? I don't think the lake sequence would be great for you. Yeah, there's there's a lot. It's rough. I mean, I had to make you take pictures of wishy-washy for your Pokemon Yeah, no, it's... it's, I would genuinely call it worse than that, so... Okay, yeah, Yeah. no, that's... Mm -mm, mm -mm. No way. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll just read the TV Tropes entry about it then. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, folks. Uh, Thank you again, Jasmine, for indulging me to talk about one of my top three or five video games. I don't have the rigid hierarchy right now in my head, so I couldn't tell you. All right. But one of my top video games. Hell yeah. (sighs) Thank you, friends. Yes. Thank you.
Thank you and goodbye. Are we plugging our Oh shit our yeah. podcast? Oh my Twitter. god, yeah. It's Grumble Pack Pod, right? It is Grumble Pack Pod. Alright, you can also reach us on Twitter at Grumble Pack Pod. I have not updated it recently. That's alright, neither have I. We, there's been a lot happening right now. It's been busy. Um, yeah. You can also reach us on Gmail at Grumble Pack Ask. Grumble Pack Ask, god damn it! Alright. <laughs> Thank you. Let's lay it out. Grumble Pack Pod on Twitter, Grumble Pack Ask. Yes. At gmail.com. Alright, thank you, friends. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>